it must come from the heart. Otherwise, you won't do it. Because I invest so much time and so much blood and tears and sweat and everything. And if you don't love it so much, you probably would not do it. Because you you do it for because you love it. I have the chance to make uh, my hobby my profession, and this is something I know not much people get the opportunity. So uh, even if it takes so much to keep this place, I have tried to get the energy to afford this to do this. Welcome to the Finger Space Podcast, a weekly show where we will dive deep into the history, stories, and controversies surrounding the fingerboarding community. Hey, what is up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Finger Space Podcast. Today, we are joined by a very special guest who needs no introduction. He is a fingerboarding world champion, a the owner of the biggest fingerboard store, Mr. Timo TKY Kranz. Timo, how are you doing? I'm fine. Thanks for asking. And thanks for the opportunity and for this nice introduction. <laughs> no, man. Thank, thank you for being on the show. It's a complete honor and, and a pleasure. Um, so thanks. Uh, uh, we just kind of, we're here to have a casual conversation. We want to learn um, about fingerboarding, fingerboarding history. You are one of the best, yeah. if not the best individual to talk about that. And yeah, if, if you're down, let's get this started. Okay. <laughs> yes, okay. Let's go. So uh, my first question for you is, how did you get into fingerboarding and the year? Uh, with the year, it's a little bit complicated. I will explain a little later, but uh, I have to say skateboarding got me into fingerboarding, you know? I started skating in the late 80s and mainly in the 90s in the beginning in the big pan, small wheels side uh, time. And... Um, Yes, and I, I think, I, I don't know the exact date, but I, I, from one point I had this fingerboard key change. Um, I think it was even in the late 80s. Uh, I saw it in a skate shop and I, uh, I, 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 I saw this is a nice, fun item and I just bought it. I didn't have anything, no clue of fingerboarding. And there was a little fake leather bag and there was some uh, in, introduction on a little piece of paper with, with fingers, how you can bend your fingers to do actually tricks with it. And this was how I get uh, known by fingerboarding or how, what fingerboarding was a little bit. And I always had this, and but I didn't know the technique to Ollie. So I, I did um, focus on fingerboarding when I was not skateboarding, but I did it with, with both hands, you know. I didn't have no technique and I just did it with both hands, trying to imagine my skateboard moves. I could not land. And um, yeah, I was sitting there. I was even building ramps, but um, I did not know how to actual ollie with, a, with, with technique, you know, because I always used both hands. And um, I think I, I would not call it fingerboarding because it was always something I was doing beside my skateboarding. But when the tech decks came on the scene, um, this was the point when I started fingerboarding for real and with technique and with everything. And this was in 98. Yeah, something like this, I think. Okay, so your first introduction to this sort of uh, hobby, I mean, subgenre of skating was in the 80s with these fingerboard keychains. And I find it kind of interesting. You, you, you were fingerboarding or, or kind of, I mean, handboarding on a miniature board with um, with both hands instead of, you know, Two fingers? Yes, I was, you know, my, my, my left hand was like, like doing the tricks and my right hand was doing the style. This, this is how it's, it's hard to imagine maybe, but I was not even fingerboarding. I was just imagine skateboarding with both hands. I was not like doing handboarding on the miniature board. My, my left hand did the trick, the movement of the board, 
and my my uh, my right hand was just doing the the style of the body of the skateboarder I was imagining. You know? Oh, okay. And this was this was how I was fingerboarding, and this was was how I was sitting in school for hours doing this and trying to tricks. Uh, uh, how do you say in my inner eye and try to do them in the afternoon after school. <laughs> so it's always both hands. Yeah, so that was your way of imagining and kind of you know visualizing what what yes. something would look like. Okay, that's that's really interesting yes. to kind of know. So so you said in '98 is kind of when you transitioned into or, or knowing about fingerboards, like actual fingerboards, kind of to what we know today. Yeah, what was that like? Oh, this was I was all by myself. You know, it, there was no scene. There was even not the internet. You know, there was no connection at all. No companies, and it was only me doing it. And that was all. And uh, I think um, that I did not know if, if there were other people doing it already in this time, but I was not connecting with anybody. And none of my friends who was getting, uh, was doing it as well. This was only me, you know, who, who had this fingerboard uh, key change thing always around. And um, I think it, it got more real and more people got involved when, when the tactics came. So when it started uh, for, me, for me for real, and this was like 10 years later, you can say. And um, yeah, this was this was uh, also not connected very well, but we were a bunch of more people doing it. So I was not feeling that lonely anymore, you know? Really? Okay. So, so starting in the early 90s uh, or late 90s, early 2000s, it was kind of you um, kind of just doing this side hobby. And it was like you say, yes. it was, there wasn't a scene. The internet wasn't. I mean, it was in its in its infancy. No scene online. Definitely not like we have today. I mean, it's not hard to envision, but it's it's really a drastic change compared to what we have today. Oh, oh yes, oh yes, for sure, this totally. But when Tech Decks came around, it, and you say it kind of picked up, and it was ten years after that. What was it like when Tech Decks came onto the scene, and you finally had a, oh, a fingerboard, quote unquote? This was this was super cool because I felt. Um, so special with with my love for this miniature thing, and when Tectex came uh, appeared on the scene, it, they were uh, available by a bigger mass. You go in the skate shop, and there were Tectex all around, and everybody was talking about Tectexing uh, and uh, jumping around and trying to ollie and everything. So this was a really big impact on me. So because first I I saw there was much more behind it, like the technique and everything. So I started for real, and and second that I feel. There were much more people interesting in this, and not not only me, you know. <laughs> yeah, this was 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 really good, a nice feeling. And even even we we are not connected by uh, back then. We had to drive to the skate shop, which was like 50 kilometers away. Then we bought a bunch of tech decks, mostly broke on the first day. We were like five people in our skate crew, even in the, on the village, and we built ramps and. Um, after skating on the streets, we went to my room and we had a fingerboard session. That's how we usually did. That's awesome to know that that somebody of your stature of you know who I don't know if you like to think of yourself as as a legend or a giant in the scene, but to to people like me and, and all the individuals listening, you you genuinely are. And it's cool to know Thanks. that you kind of started like we do, like tech decking with friends and and that oh, kind of yes, neck bar. for sure, for sure, for sure. Not. There's even like uh, on one point I thought I'm the only person doing this because I. I kept doing this even when the, the my my friends stopped it, and there was one point I won one of the first events. Uh, this was in '99, and then I had a little TV interview and everything. And I, I told my parents I I can't go to school anymore because I and next morning I get the phone call and I'm going 
fingerboarding forever and <laughs> nothing happens. Nothing happens. And I was, I feel a little bit depressed because I, I counted on it a little bit and I felt like I'm the only fingerboarder in the whole wide world. And this was even before I discovered Black Dover and an actual scene that existed by that day. But because I lived like in a farm village, you can say, I was not connected at all. And I gave it up already. I gave fingerboarding up. I didn't do anything. And then I discovered Black Silver, and this was like two, three years later, even from this point. Man, so, man, I mean, I guess it, it can kind of be, you know, a lot of us fingerboard by ourselves, but we have the online community. But for you, it really was you and by yourself, I guess. Um, goodness that, that you you discovered Black River and kind of, I, I assume that can give you a push or, or let you know, hey, you're not alone. Oh, yes, that, that's even a nice story about this because I, I was about to move Berlin and I visited a friend before I actually moved here. And I, uh, I went here for three days and we visited all the skate shops or I wanted to visit all the skate shops. And there was one skate shop in, uh, in the Western part of the city, a really famous one, which closed down already. And by the way out, I take a look in the trash can and I saw like something with, with, a, with a skull and a fingerboard ramp and some fingers on the fingerboard. I was like, what? in the trash can and I asked the guys if I can pick it out of the trash can and he was like for sure and this is how I found out the first Black River flyer and I went home and I was staring on the flyer all the way home and I was like man my god there's something like this exists and this actually was the first Black River flyer I ever made I think and I a few days later I called the number on the flyer <laughs> because I, I needed to do this you know it wasn't my my um my brain from, from this and I needed to call it uh, this number and I was lucky because I think this was Martin Ehrenberger back in the day himself who was working in the skate shop they had they run the skate shop back in the day and we had this short conversation and I, to I, I talked uh, to him like I'm doing this trick right now I'm doing that trick and he was like oh what really really oh we need to meet and uh, you need to shred our ramps and things like this and uh yeah then i moved to berlin like half a year later and he actually gave me my first contact in berlin a first number that existed already and this was the number of timo lieben <laughs> the berlinwood owner uh, which i met like a few months later uh, when i moved actually moved to berlin which was like uh, yeah my my total step into it into the game and everything that is incredible and, and was this in the early days of um of Black River in Berlin War too. Oh yes, this was uh, super early because I think I found the flyer and I moved to Berlin in 2002 and this was the year I found the flyer as well in the summer in, in the trash can and I moved here in, in uh, September, October and I met Timo Lieben in November I think and uh, he told me that he is about to do something super new and great and this was uh, the Berlin Awards. There were I think just the first, first edition it's like like the early the early super early days for sure man that that's incredible and of course everybody knows berlinwood it is a household name in fingerboarding um everybody has yeah. seen one nearly everybody has had one fingerboarded on one what was yeah. that first edition berlinwood like oh it, it was it was super because you you step from the plastic board to the wooden board and even it was so narrow as the plastic board you know i think the first edition was 26 millimeters uh, the feeling was so much different. It was so great. And I, the difference was so big that it impacted your fingerboarding, your skill level and everything, the ability how to do tricks so much that uh, 
there was no look back. <laughs> I just uh, tech <laughs> when I got hired from them, you know, when we used to, uh, we needed to write tech decks, but for me, there was no question not to use a wooden board, you know, from this day. That's incredible. So, so that was in 2002, 2003 is, is, is kind of when you got your, your foot in the door and you started. When would you say that, that things really kicked off for Black River, for Berlin Wood? Because I would say it was, you know, 2006, 2007 is kind of when everything started popping off online, at least here in the state. It was a little earlier already because in the year 2003, 2002, it was so popular in Germany that we had a German championship, which had like 10 stations all over the country and involved were skate shops that had a fingerboard park back in the day. Like in 2002, you can say we had like maybe... 25 skate shops in Germany who owned a fingerboard park. That meant uh, there were like fingerboard scenes popping up in at each city. So it was kind of easy to organize like a championship where you could count the points on different stations on these different local spots. And everything ended up bigger uh, event where everybody uh, who owned the most pointed were invited and can participate. And we grown the world German champion afterwards. And this was all in 2003 already. Wow. So this was already a year where lots of people, lots of interests were were focused on fingerboarding. So also there were, were a market, you know, people earned money with fingerboarding and shops who organized these events didn't uh, did it for nothing, you know. So there was a big public interest in fingerboarding already in 2003. 2002. And uh, I think this was also the reason Germany was always a little bit ahead, you know, because we had this already. We had this, we had people who gave up fingerboarding already because they were so good. They thought they achieved everything and things like this. And this was pretty, pretty early, uh, way, way more early than uh, countries for sure. Yes, one, 100%. I had no idea that it was it was that earlier, that widespread, at least, in, at least in Germany. So the following years after that, what was that whole period like? Because, you know, yes. in my head, it, it's broken up fingerboarding. It's, it's broken up from what I know from the early 2000s to about 2010 and then 2010 to now. But what were yeah. those years like? Because I know it was crucial, especially to the development of the American fingerboarding. Yes, I think generally you can say the popularity of fingerboarding goes in waves. You know, you have peaks, like peaks of popularity. One one of the peaks was in 2002, 2003. Then it goes down again. Yeah. And then we had we have another we had another peak that was 2008, 2009, 2010. You can say and so on. So it goes on in waves. Um, and by knowing this, after we it was so popular in 2003, uh, that it wasn't there was nothing you can say in 2005 or 2006 for sure. We did some things, but it was getting slower and all local. But even in we established things here in Berlin, fingerboarding wasn't that popular. And uh, the next peak of popularity is the, the time you mentioned in 2007, 2008, when with the internet, with uh, people connecting, scenes were connecting, we had the first forums popping up and um, yeah, uh, and things getting more serious in the States as well, you know, with Mike doing all the stuff. And I didn't know when Mike was the first time he flew over, it was probably 2008, 2009. So, so there were already some famous people in the States, some, uh, yeah, I think it was 2008 when, when Black River did the first fingerboard world championships and it was international. There were a bunch of American hats there for sure. And so, so this was the time when right before things getting started in to get more serious in the States and everywhere else as well. And overall, we had the next peak of popularity 
in with fingerboarding all over the world. And you yeah. can even say that like 2013 or something and the popularity went down again. And now it's up, I would say. <laughs> yeah, definitely up now. And, and for the pandemic that happened last year, and I think that as bad as that pandemic was and, and horrendous, it, it kind of, when everybody had to go inside, it kind of brought everybody back, yeah. you know? Yes. Everybody started dusting sure. off fingerboards. Getting back to, to you, I think the biggest peak may have been in 2010 because I know that's when I got introduced to fingerboarding. And at that time in 2009, correct me if I'm wrong, you were crowned world champ. Yes, that's right. But what was that whole process like, the fingerboard world championship at the time? And, and you know, you, you came out on top and you were the it, man. It was, it was super crazy. It was one of my best years in fingerboarding, I would say. And regarding this time, I always speak from the year, year 2010, uh, 2009 as the golden year of fingerboarding uh, because we had so much actions going on. We were invited to so many contests. We had a budget paid by Tech Deck. We had rental cars. We had It was, was really big. Fingerboarding was big again. And there was um, maybe 10 contests in Germany over the year or something. You, you needed to decide where to go and stuff. And yeah, Tech Deck was also a big influence on us because we... They, they sponsored the whole ASI team, you can say. And so because of this, we had ability to, to reach points. Some other people could not go. And yeah, and everything groaned a little bit because I was the world champion in this year. And uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun for sure. And uh, be because also fingerboarding was that popular. As a world champion, you had some uh, promotional um, requests. So you, that means you could earn some money just because of the title, you know, and it was, was great. <laughs> I didn't expect this, you know? Yeah, I, I can't even begin to think of what that feeling would have been like. I mean, going from 1998, 1999, for doing this thing that you think you're doing by yourself and nobody else is doing it, fast forward 10 years later and you are the best in the world. That's progress. Yeah. That, that, that is huge. <laughs> yes, a little bit. Thanks. I, I felt like this was the last year I could achieve this title. You know, I, I saw Dimitri was so strong and it was always the battle Dimitri and Elias and it was not, this is not my stage, you know, this is not my level, but I did not know. I was, I, I think I was totally, uh, this day was crazy. You know, we were late, we rented the car and the car owner uh, the, from the rental car station, they asked me if I want to test drive a new car for a 10 euro upgrade. And I was like, yes, for sure. Give me the faster car. I paid the 10 euro, up I paid the 10 euro upgrade and we arrived to a contest like when the contest starts. So I was totally on adrenaline from the car drive because it was intense. It was really intense. I would not say too much, but you know, in Germany, now, you can go as fast as you want. And, and I tried it. And we were, we reached Schwarzenbach in I think two hours and 40 second, uh, minutes. And normally you go there and three hours or, or more and we were really really fast so i was totally pushed the day wow. and i was moderating the contest as well and then i land the backside 180 flip and for sure you can land this blind eye you know but he didn't land it so i won you won on a backside flip that's a trick yes, I won on backside flip. yes <laughs> for sure because but uh, but i have to mention also that i i, I had a, a switch to 60 flip in in this game of skate and switch to 60 flip everybody who knows me know that is not my but i landed it in the in the game of skate on the um, final in fast fingers this year so man that, that's <laughs> incredible because that happens in 2009 and from 2009 yeah, to about yeah. 2011 all i was seeing was uh, on youtube well the majority was your stuff black river berlin wood and it was kind of uh, like by awe of it and then lo and behold in 2010 black river opens up the first ever fingerboard store 
in Berlin, which you now yes. are are the rightful owner of. What what was that like? Because that that must have been huge. Oh yes, for sure. And like you said, I think this time has a big or still has a huge influence on fingerboarding to this day. You know, because this was the upload of the major videos and the Dirty Harry things, and this was a really important time for fingerboarding. And uh, until this day, people talking about these videos, you know. And I had the idea to open a fingerboard store always in in me somehow, you know. I worked for a couple of skate shops here and um, I had a time in my life, it was in 2008, where I was not sure what to do. And I, I went on vacation and I came back and did some works here and there, but always not, not nothing too serious, you know. And in 2009, I was in a point in my life where I thought like, what to do next, you know. And then this idea with the fingerboard shop came back in my mind. And uh, yeah, it made more and more serious. And I think in 2010, I was on a point where like, I need to do something. And yeah, I looked for property here in Berlin and everything I found was too small or too big or too expensive or whatever. And I was um, uh, looking out for, for this one where we are right now with the shop uh, for, for weeks already. And it was never open. There was no number to call. It was empty for sure. And it looked like perfect because it was, uh, the inside looked like it was perfect for what I want to do. And one day I was passing by um, again and I saw the door was open and I, I was just running inside. And there was a guy talked to some people who want to, to hire it. And, but I was really sympathetic with the guy. And he told me that I got two weeks now to get the paperwork done and then you can probably get the, the property. And this was the point where I realized that I could not do it by myself. And I tried to uh, think about what's the best solution. And I talked to Black Dover about this project already. And then I talked with them again, that they need to be more involved, that uh, it, I can't do it by myself. And yeah, this was the idea. Uh, this was uh, the day the idea of the Black River store was born, and which was, was the best because without them, we could not do it. And they founded a company the Black Over Stores company and the next next day I called the owner and I talked that I work for a company now and he was like oh, okay we do the paperwork later it's okay you got the shop and this was one of the best days for sure because uh yeah a few months later we opened the Black Over Store Berlin which was a huge impact on the fingerboard scene because you 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 say that you make a living out of fingerboarding by retailing it uh, in a physical shop, not only online. You know, since to this day, fingerboard shops are rare. So that means what we did 10 years ago already was a big, big achievement. You say, you can say for the, for the scene, for everything, because you, you risked so much by, by doing this. I would say. Yes. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, running, first off, I did not know that the black river shop the originally it was, it was i mean it was your baby it was your idea i i didn't know yes. that you were always the individual behind it this is the first time i'm hearing that so that's kind of yeah. you know, that's that's news to me so that's awesome to know don't understand i mean even me personally i've never owned a shop but it, there has to be a lot of uh, hardships to go i mean you're holding a physical space and that takes money and that takes a lot of time and hard work and and of course like fingerboarding has gone has gone up and down the shop I assume has gone up and down as well. But um, what is it about owning or having a physical location that, that really gives, you, you know, the, the right vibe or the right energy, if you know what I'm trying to say? Oh, yes, it's a, it must come from the heart. Otherwise, you won't do it because uh, I invest so much time and so much uh, blood and tears and sweat and everything. And if you don't love it so much, you probably would not do it, you know, because you, you do it for because you love it. 
I have the chance to make uh, my hobby my profession. And this is something I know not much people get the opportunity. So uh, even if it takes so much to keep this place, I have, I try to get the energy to afford this, to do this. Yeah, and the, the feedback you get from the people is so overwhelming and it always was, you know, uh, when we first opened it, you know, the people who came by, it was everybody who had a name back then visited the shop by one time. It was the thing that you had to go and visit the shop one day. And uh, if you are a fingerboarder or you want to talk about it, about it as well, and it became um, like a mecca for fingerboarding a little bit, but also because we did so much big, big events for the scene, so much people came to the shop and were involved in this. And so this place became even bigger and better. And um, so I would say that it's a huge thing and then the best feedback I can get. And, and this is make it worth it for sure. Man, it, it definitely is on my bucket list uh, to go visit the shop. I mean, anybody who's fingerboarding, like you said, this is the fingerboarding mecca and and it's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, if if anybody here by chance has no idea what we're talking about in in the fingerboarding in the in, the, in this fingerboard store in Berlin, um, I recommend you check out Undialed's video that they did. Oh yeah, that one. <laughs> it, is, it is the best in-depth video that I've seen on the ASI or ASI uh, shop. And you know that video I'm checking now has about 1.2 million views right now. Yes. So definitely big, big thanks to to White Trash really because it's one of the the best advertising we have out there right now. And we can't do much for promotion, like just things like this. And it was an honor to meet this guy and to see the result afterwards. And even, even the sticker he put there, you can see it in the video, it got stolen and stuff, you know? This is crazy. <laughs> Man, so when that video uh, landed, did you guys get a surge in in, in interest in the shop and in, in foot traffic and, and all of this type of stuff? Yeah, a lot of people talk about this video. So it, when the younger kind of, uh, generation comes to the shop, and we ask them how they get into it or how they hear about us. It's like 50% because of this video. Wow. So this is this is big. You know, we are not that active on, on YouTube, unfortunately, I have to say. You know, it's Instagram. It eats all my time. But I could not do it on YouTube as well. And um, so so it's, it's, it's nice to have other people documenting what what we have there and and we have a way bigger audience audience than we will ever have you know so on youtube for example so this is this is super nice and i totally appreciate this and maybe if white trash really hears this he called me for for 100 tricks and i have this in my mind and one day white trash really i will show you the 100 tricks i promise you man okay timo you you cemented it in stone now um <laughs> I would love, I would love to see that. Um, so I, I, of course, I follow you on Instagram. I mean, everybody does. And you kind of show the shop throughout the day and, and all that. What is, what is a typical day for you look like in the shop? I mean, let's talk pre, pre-COVID because I know all the restrictions and all that. But what? Yes, a, a typical day for me looks like I, uh, because I have kids and family. Normally, when the pandemic is over, they had to go to school. That means we woke up at six. And if I'm in my normal routine, I wake up at six or maybe even a little earlier as well. And I try to do, we have the breakfast and the stuff, and but I try to do all my office things like emails and DMs in the morning time which eats mostly like three to four hours nowadays uh, until I'm done with everything. 
Uh, but in the in the in between, we get the kids to school as well, you know. And then I continue working with the phone and trying to get everything done. And then we we open every day at one o'clock. I usually when everything is nice and we don't have the pandemic, I go to the fitness studio, be there a few hours, like one two hours, and then I go to the shop. And Ramon is usually there earlier than me. <laughs> Shout out to Ramon. Now he is mostly there later than me. And uh, because we have the pandemic and everything is closed. But yeah, normally we open one o'clock and I be at the shop around one o'clock or maybe a little later. Depends on how uh, uh, intense I want to have the the fitness studio thing going on so and then yeah we we are at the shop Ramon is there already he tells me what's up and what he's done already and then we we get the shop work done which is uh nowadays mostly orders but uh normally it's like you have customers there you know you have how you say you talk to customers you explain um you, you guide them to the, to the shop and um yeah this is how we deal normally in the um non-pandemic times we have a lot of tourists also in the summertime when lots of tourists travel to the city or visit Berlin we have more fingerboard tourists as well and yeah this is how we get through the year and how we deal normally and now with the pandemic for sure everything changed and the shop is closed we start a little later with everything but yeah luckily we have a lot of um or more web shop orders and yeah that's what we do now doing orders and getting them to the post office before six o'clock because this is when they stop uh stop working yes well it's fantastic that that the web order is picked up and you know whether it's it's online or in person i think the fingerboarding community will kind of always be here for you and for the shop to try and try and back you up you know it's it's because everything that you've done specifically for the scene has kind of evolved it and and turned it into what it is today. And I personally have to thank you on behalf of all fingerboarders for what you've done and what you continue to do, Timo. Thank you very much for this. But this is also what yeah what keeps me doing it. You know the drive, the feedback I got from the people, and the I I know about the importance of the shop. You know to be there, to be around, to be accessible for the people. Also, when I hear something like this or get feedback like that, uh, I know that we are doing the right thing. You know. That's, you, you, that's good and also there was some important uh points in the in the history of the shop where the, the scene was uh like um begging the shop so much that they saved it from uh, going down you know yeah so so this is this is something i would never forget for sure no no of course and and i hate and i hate to do this but we're running short on time so if there's anything that you kind of want to say uh plug where everybody can find you even though everybody pretty much knows who you are and where to find you um in these last couple minutes just just check out the asi shop and that, that's all and and have fun fingerboarding and try to 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 visit berlin when when you we are we are allowed to visit each other again you know and uh we are we are there for you we wait there we i can't promise already if everything works out in this year uh we will organize something big for sure in the summer like in session and even the big barbecue i'm i'm not sure because we can't say too much what we are allowed to do you know so but if it, it could happen it will happen for sure i can promise no that, doubt about this that that is awesome timo and and i have to say uh, whenever you guys do and whenever it is restrictions are lifted, I will definitely try my hardest to be there and visit for myself because, I've, again, it is on the bucket list. But you guys heard it here. 
visit the ASI shop. You guys know where to find them online. They do have a YouTube channel, so you should even subscribe, even though they're not that active. Check out the yes. Instagram. Check out Timo's personal Instagram. And yeah, guys, I hope I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Timo, I, I can't thank you enough for being on it, man. Complete honor and pleasure to speak to you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Until the next time. Yes. Bye-bye. Good night. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Finger Space Podcast. Thanks for skating by, and don't forget to nosebonk that subscribe button and dark slide on over to our Discord server. This episode was produced by Fingerspace Co. and hosted by Nostalgia FB. Big thanks to all guests and listeners.